Good morning, SunWest. Well, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. It's good to be with you folks again. It's been a long time. Those of you who don't know me, my name is Brad, Brad Hubert. And uh, this week, I was dialoguing with Matt a little bit. I was texting him about the series. I'm jumping into the You Don't Complete Me series, correct? You Don't Complete Me. So then how come, explain this. I got this text from Matt this week. And he says, here it is, Brad. Let me know if you want the you complete me slide deck. So I'm a little confused. So I'm like feeling this out a little bit with Matt. So then I text Matt. I said, you complete me too, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, now now credit to Matt, though, he did just reply, lol. So um, (laughs) I was looking for some deep connection. And he just apparently he's practicing what he preaches. I do not complete him. I was looking for something he was not willing to provide. So (laughs) we're on good footing is is what I'm saying. So uh, let me ask you a question today. Have you ever muttered these words under your breath or thought something like this when someone you thought was a friend didn't treat you like friends ought to treat you? I thought we were friends. You ever said that? I I I thought we were friends. How about friends don't do that? Or a true friend would, dot, 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 or a true friend would never. If, if you're a parent with kids <laughs> that have uh, experienced ups and downs with friendships, you've had this talk with your children, right? Your, your little Jimmy comes home and, you know, Bobby has stuck a fork in his eye. And, and it's just, it's, it's, it's awkward and you pull it out. And you sit little Jimmy down and you go... I'm not sure a true friend would stick a fork in your eye. No, no, we're friends. No, he's not your friend. Trust me. Like you've had conversations like this, correct? Now, now, if you've muttered something like this, if you've prayed this, if you've just thought this, or maybe you've even said this to somebody, you have proven the very first point in my message. So congratulations. We all have a personal friendship code. Every single one of us have a personal friendship code. Think of this as your invisible Ten Commandments of friendship. Thou shalt and thou shalt not. And and you're not even conscious of it, probably. Neither are the people in your life until somebody breaks the code. And that's when you pull out that, but a true friend would never. And a true friend wouldn't, would, right? That this is where those things come out. We all have a friendship code. It's invisible. We just, we don't. So we're always kind of like, I wonder what someone else's code is. Because the second point is, everyone's friendship code is a little different. Everyone's is a little different. So, so this is why we get into trouble. Like in my world, being a friend means X. And it, for you, it means Y. And then all of a sudden I cross you and I didn't realize you had that code. Like, I'm sorry, I didn't, I didn't realize. We all have different expectations of friendships. Now, to kind of explore this, what I did is I went onto Google and I thought I'd do a little research. So I typed in real friends would or real friends. And you know how like when you start the, the search, it'll give you 10 suggestions or 12 suggestions on what you could search up? Like what other people have searched up? So right away, it was like a real friend would or a real friend wouldn't. And it was like, like 16,000 results. I'm like, that seems like a lot of work. So I, I, do, I do 
When, I, when I'm overwhelmed, I do what some of you all do. I just was like, I'm just going to look at the images. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn to the memes. Just give me a picture book. And so here's what I'm going to ask for you. I'm going to ask you to participate with me now. Can you do that? So, so what I want you to do is I'm going to read, I'm going to show you a picture of a meme. And then if this, if this resonates with you, if you're like, yes, that could be in my friendship code, I want you to stick your hand up and say like, yup, or amen, or cheer or something. Okay. Just, but I, I need you to participate. Can you do that? Okay. So here's the first one should be low hanging fruit. Friends don't let friends do drugs. Can I get a witness? Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> If you didn't raise your hand, <laughs> Dave, is there a prayer after? Um, okay, I'll give you another, another shot at it. How about this one? Friends don't let friends drive drunk. <laughs> Amen. Okay, good. This time everyone's, some people are like, <laughs> they're just thinking about last weekend. Um, now, this next one, I need to tell you, this could be why we're not friends. This might be it. Like, but in my defense, I didn't know. I did not know. So apparently friends don't let friends clap on one and three. I didn't. <laughs> See how emotional this is? We're getting an applause for that one. That was definitely in your code. <laughs> and my thing is I don't clap on one and three. We're good. We're good. I just don't clap on two and four either. I just, it's just messy. Um, now the next two, the next two, I think are probably tending towards more of the guy side. I don't want to like, you know, generalize too much, but friends don't let friends skip leg day. (laughs) This guy clearly (laughs) needs some better people in his life. My thing is, I didn't know there's a leg day. I don't know. There's like an upper body day. I just have days. I'm not, (laughs) how about this? Okay. So now the yeah, this is definitely a guy one too. Good friends don't let you do stupid things alone. <laughs> Some people are, are yeah, 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 yeah. So because it's guys, they're like, hey, hey, it's Jeff. You want to get our bikes and like drive them off the roof into the pool? Sure, you know. <laughs> it's guys, like, so <laughs> gals go to the bathroom together. Men go to prison together. That's that's the difference. Just saying. Uh, how about this one? Um, friends don't let friends shop alone. This is more maybe for the gals. See, here's the thing. When, when women shop together, they come home with more stuff. Oh, girl, you look fabulous. Take the shoes. Take the bag. Take the store. Your husband will understand. You can bring it back later. But guys, they're like, dude, that's stupid. And then you, so you come home with less. By the way, I don't know if this is ever, I don't think I've ever been shopping with a guy. Never, never. never. I'd be mortified. Look away. Don't look. Um, How about this one? Friends don't let friends wear bad outfits. Can I, anyone? Yeah, you know, you were weaker on that one, and I know why. I was looking around at what some of you guys are wearing today. (laughs) And, uh, wow. Last one, last one. Friends don't let friends cut their own bangs. <laughs> true story, true story. I have been cutting my own hair for 10 or 15 years. I have. I have. And you're like, we know. <laughs> Just, okay, okay. So number one, number one, everyone, everyone's got a, an internal friendship code. It's invisible until we break one of the commandments. Number two, everybody's friendship code is different. And number three, our friendship code is built on our approach to friendship. 
Now, if I could get three volunteers to come up with me just for a few minutes on the stage, really, really fast because we're streaming. So I need you to just jump up. I promise I won't embarrass you. If I could get these up here, that'd be fantastic. I'm going to get you to hold, boy, none. Okay, you guys, you introduced me as a friend of SunWest. I'm, okay, two, we need, we need one more. One more. One more. We got this. Come on. I'm going to start picking people. There we go. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Sweet. We got it. Okay. If you guys could stand, maybe just right. Yeah, right here is good. What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you guys each something to hold when it's time. And each of them are going to be embodying an approach to friendship. Okay. So the first approach to friendship is this one right here. Okay. Will you be my friend? In other words, we bring a question to our friendships. The question is, will you be my friend? And the implication is, it's your job to answer my question. That's my approach. Will you be my friend? Will you be my friend? And I define my friends then as the people who answer my question by caring for me. So maybe you've said this, who, who, are, who are my friends? The people that care about me. Those are my friends. Now, the second uh, approach to friendship is polar opposite to this. There you go. Here, you can stick. Yeah, and that's, I'll be your friend. Can you see the difference? He's bringing, he's bringing a question. He's bringing an answer to the question. He's saying, my friends are the people I choose to give myself to. My friends are the people I choose to care about. Now, interestingly enough, if this is the, the way you approach friendship all the time, this kind of person's always in need of friends. That kind of person never is because all they have to do is choose someone <laughs> to care about, and they, that's who they've called their friends. Now, the third view of friendship is different than the other two as well. Let's be friends. And the focus here is on a mutual bond. So when we approach friendship this way, yes, I, I want someone to care for me, but I also want to care about them. I just want it to be mutual, right? Now, can, can you see the different approaches to friendship? Now, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to... Take a snapshot of this in your mind. I'm not going to make you guys stand up with me the entire message. That would be awkward. We're not friends. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, we can be friends. Let's be friends. <laughs> okay. Um, but what I want you to do is remember those, because what I'm going to do now is I'm going to do, uh, we're going to jump into scripture, and I want to explore how this plays out in what I think is the gold standard of friendship in the Bible. Now, when I use that phrase, gold standard of friendship in the Bible, who comes to mind if you're a Bible person? David and Jonathan, what else? I just heard, I didn't know you spoke in tongues here. That's good. <laughs> Anyone can interpret. Um, David and Jonathan, that's who I thought of as well. David and Jonathan, if you're not a Bible person, let me explain who these guys are. 
Okay, so at the time of the the story that we're going to cover, King Saul was the very first king of Israel. He was appointed by God, but he very quickly went downhill. He became a maniacal, paranoid leader who would squash anyone who would threaten his throne. And Jonathan was his son. So Jonathan befriends David, this shepherd kid that lives down the hill somewhere, And the awkward thing about this friendship is that because God rejects Saul as king because of his disobedience and the way he's handling his own heart, his pride, his insecurity, God sends Samuel the prophet to go anoint David as the future king, even though Saul is king. And so David is friends with Jonathan, the the son of Saul, who will inherit the throne from his father. So Jonathan has got this throne coming to him, but God has said that David is going to become king. Awkward. But here's how this plays out. Now, what I did for my research for this friendship David and Jonathan, so they turn to a different kind of search engine, and I recommend you try it out. It's called BibleGateway.com. It's an online concordance. It's kind of like a search engine for the Bible. And so what I did is I typed in to the search bar, David, Jonathan, and out come all of the results, and it will show me every verse in the Bible where the name David and Jonathan appear in the same verse. Right? So what it gives me then is it gives me, you know what this kind of looks like, like a feed, it actually gave me their friendship feed when you think social media. It was like a, a conversation between David and Jonathan. So what I want you to think about now is which of these will you be my friend? Let's be friends or I'll be your friend. Which kind of friendship is embodied by Jonathan? Which kind of friendship is embodied by David and what can we learn about it? You game? Good, because that's what I'm doing. Okay. So, here's how the first one plays out. Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Remember that covenant. Jonathan took off the robe, it would have been a royal robe, right, that he was wearing and gave it to David. Jonathan had taken a great liking to David. Jonathan spoke well of David to Saul, his father. Are you seeing a pattern here? Have you, ever, have you ever thought, <laughs> in this friendship, it feels like it's not 50-50? Like, I was going in thinking, I was going to learn about David and Jonathan, and really, I started learning about Jonathan and David. The weird thing is, this is David's story, but in terms of the friendship, it's Jonathan, 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 Jonathan. He's the one who's initiating. So Jonathan is clearly approached his friendship with this shepherd kid as I will be your friend. He's chosen him and he's committed to him and he's proving it. Now, the the first time we have David enter the chat, (laughs) Saul is upset at David and starts hunting him down because he's threatened again because of David's victories and things. And people are starting to, to put their allegiance in David instead of Saul. And so he, he, he puts out a manhunt for David and David goes on the run. And David fled from Naoth at Ramah and went to Jonathan and asked, what have I done? What's my crime? How have I wronged your father that he's trying to kill me? Subtext, I thought we were friends. 
Have you ever had a friend that only reaches out to you when they need something? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I think we all have. Sometimes our hearts go, oh, look, I got a text from, oh, never mind. He wants me to help him move. (laughs) It's Jonathan, 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 David, because I need something. David's obviously approaching this friendship from a different perspective than than Jonathan. David and Jonathan have different views of friendship. David's saying, will you be my friend? Prove it by caring for me. Jonathan's like, I'm your friend. And he proves it right here. Jonathan's reply to David, whatever you want me to do, I will do for you. I'll fix it. Why? Because I have committed myself. And what does he say? Jonathan said to David, I swear by the Lord, the God of Israel, I will surely sound out my father by this time, the day after tomorrow. So I'm going to take the initiative. I'm going to reach out to my dad. I'm going to try and make this right. Like I can fix this. And then Jonathan called David after having the conversation with Saul and he brought him to Saul and David was with Saul as before. So here now you have the son of the king interceding on behalf of David to the king so that David can come back and be part of the palace kind of framework again. So this is a beautiful picture of friendship. Now at this point in the story, we see something else. Jonathan has committed to David. He said, I will be your friend, period. But does that mean he doesn't want it to be mutual? No. He wants it to be mutual. So the next one is Jonathan had David reaffirm his oath out of love for him because he loved him as himself. Have you ever felt like, look, I'm your friend. Like, I'm committed to you, but can I get something back? Like, like it feels like I'm giving and giving and giving and there's nothing coming back. Can, can I, and it's kind of interesting. If you, if you say, are you my friend? Will you tell me you love me? If they say, sure. Does it mean as much? No. Cause you want it just to come back naturally. But poor Jonathan is feeling what we often feel. How come is it? It's not mutual. Now, Saul goes on a bender again, gets all upset at David. David is forced to flee right before a big feast. And so Jonathan said to David, tomorrow's the new moon feast and you'll be missed because your seat will be empty. Again, it's Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan. And then the most awkward dinner table conversation of all time takes place because at the feast, with the dignitaries at the table, they're not just, it's not just Saul and Jonathan at the table. Jonathan decides to go into it with his dad right here, right now. Maybe because he wanted witnesses. I don't know. He said, why should he, David, be put to death? What has he done? Jonathan asked his father, but Saul hurled his spear at him to kill him. Okay, <laughs> just a little pause here. Do you have rules at the dinner table? (laughs) No farting, no burping at the dinner table. Does anyone have like no hurling spears, (laughs) no warfare at the dinner table? Saul, put the spear down. You can pick it up later. Take it outside. Don't bleed on the, you know, pork, whatever. Just, I guess they wouldn't be eating pork. Anyway, so you get the idea. This is super awkward. Not just awkward, it's horrific. Jonathan got up from the table in fierce anger on that second day of the feast he did not eat 
Because Saul threw a spear at him? No, because he was grieved at his father's shameful treatment of David. That's how committed Jonathan was to this friendship, that when his own father threw a spear at him, he was horrified because of what this meant for David. So then Jonathan went out to the field for his meeting with David, and he has to break the news to him. I want to stop just a minute, and I want to ask the question, what can we learn from this friendship feed? Especially in light of the series, You Don't Complete Me. The first thing I would say is that you can see how beneficial already it's been. You see this friendship in a completely different way simply by looking at the friendship feed. So I would say we need to evaluate our friendship feeds. Now here is the warning. As you look at your text conversations and you look at the back and forth and you think of who invited who and, and when was the last time somebody initiated, your tendency is going to be to look for how wonderful a friend you've been and how you have been neglected by your friends. You will look for how you have been wronged. But what I'm saying today is I want you to look for have I been a Jonathan to somebody else? That's how I want us to look. You know, as I was processing my life in late 2019, in the fall of 2019, I found myself, this is right before the COVID. This is the before times. I was so lonely in ministry. I was feeling so isolated and remember one day I was having a conversation with my wife, Shauna, and I was like, I, I just, I just don't have any friends. Like, I don't, like, I, I don't understand. And she pointed out to me, she said, well, haven't you gone for coffee with Norm like three times this fall? And, and I remember my friend, Norm, Norm Rempel, some of you may have, uh, may know him. He passed away in 2022. He had, I realized in that moment, he had initiated a coffee with me three times in a row. Like I was David, he was Jonathan. And so I actually called him up or texted him. It's like, can we, can we do coffee? I would love to connect with you. And I'm so sorry. Like I, I want to wake up. And so I, I actually used the phrase, like, let's be friends. Like I want this to be mutual. Thank you for caring for me, for reaching out to me. But I want to reciprocate. I woke up to the fact that somebody was pursuing me and I, I didn't even realize it because I was commiserating so much. Now, another reaction that we might have as we were reflecting on this story of David and Jonathan, or rather Jonathan and David is, where's my Jonathan? <laughs> like I realized God wants me to be a Jonathan, but sure would be nice. Sure would be nice. I mean, just think of what Jonathan did for David. He was willing to let go of his kingly right of throne, like the inheritance, to befriend the shepherd boy who, who could de- displace him. He makes a covenant with David. He intercedes for David on, on his behalf with the, the king, the father, so that David can come into the palace again. He pursues David over and over and over again, even when David doesn't reciprocate. Where's my Jonathan? Wouldn't it be amazing to have someone in our life like that? 
And as I was asking that question myself, that's full disclosure, where's my Jonathan? I felt like Jesus was like, um, see, because we need to make Jesus our Jonathan, and it should not be hard because, because, watch, 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 watch. Jesus is the son of the king of kings. He lays aside his heavenly throne, his glory, to befriend this wretched sinner, me, and he makes a covenant with me with his own blood, intercedes for me on behalf, my behalf so I can come home and take a seat with him in the palace of heaven and be reunited with his father, and then he pursues me relentlessly even when I don't return the favor. Can I get an amen to that? That's our Jesus. Jesus is our Jonathan. And hear me, please hear me. If Jesus doesn't satisfy you as your Jonathan, nobody ever will fit the bill. Because nobody, ain't nobody, is ever going to do that for you. And it's in that friendship with Jesus that we realize you Lord, complete me. And if you complete me, these people don't have to. Then I don't have to bring my question. Will you be my friend or will you complete me? I can instead bring an answer. Not I will complete you, but I can befriend you because my deepest friendship needs have already been met. And if we make Jesus our Jonathan, we are then free to befriend people like Jesus, to be a friend to people like Jesus. Now, this might mess with your concept of God a little bit, and that's good. I like doing that. But do you know that Jesus had and has a friendship code? No, he doesn't. He just loves everybody the same. Yes, he does. But he actually lays it out. Like you and you and me, remember? Our friendship code's invisible. So, so people get to know us don't know. Like, am I breaking something now? Am I, do you have to be on eggshells with you? Jesus says, here's how it works. He spells it out beautifully in two parts. Here's the first part, John chapter 15. Look at this. I have called you friends. He's talking to his disciples. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I will be your friend. What if I don't reciprocate? I will be your friend. What if I, what if I betray you? I will be your friend. What, what if I don't keep up my end of the bargain? I, I, Brad, I will be your friend, period. Now, does that mean Jesus doesn't want us to reciprocate? Does it mean he's not after that mutual, that golden area in the middle? Of course he wants the mutual friendship. So he spells out the second part of the code in the same passage. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Love each other as I've loved you. So he says, look, I will be your friend, but if you want to be my friend, here's how it works. You know, the best friendships kind of center around something you share in common. And he's saying, my, my shared in common is I love people. So if you want to hang out with me, it's like your friend, you call him up, you go, hey, 
Do you want to hang out this afternoon? While I'm in the garage working on the car, you can come on by. Okay. So then you come over. You don't expect to drop everything. You're now hanging out while he's doing the car. He's like, I'll be loving people. That's what I do. So if you want to hang out with me, if you want to reciprocate, you want to love me back, love people like I do. And this is where our posture as Christians comes in, doesn't it? Now, I don't want you to hear that there's never a time for a friendship to end. Jesus does let people walk away from him. The rich young ruler, he lets him go. I'm saying that God's calling us to love people like he loves, to befriend people like he befriends. Now, mutual friendships are only possible when both parties choose to give themselves to each other. What happens if both people are, will you be my friend people? Will you be my friend? I don't know. Will you be mine? Well, I asked you first and it's never resolved. Will you answer my question? Only if you answer mine. We can never have intimacy built there, can we? Or commitment or trust. What if we've got kind of like David and Jonathan, we've got one person saying, will you be my friend? I'll be your friend. Will you complete me? I'll complete you. In the worst kind of version of that, we have codependence, don't we? I will be the answer to your question. It's only when both parties say, I choose you, that we can safely create this mutual space. And here's the call to the follower of Jesus. Don't wait to be wanted. Don't wait to be wanted. I know we're thinking, yeah, but you don't know this guy I get taken advantage of, and it's, it's really hard in my workplace. It's all about them, 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 and I never get anything out of it. I understand or I don't understand, but I'm telling you the world needs the church to be full of people who have made Jesus their Jonathan so they can step out and say, I will be your friends. I choose you whether or not you reciprocate. Do I want you to reciprocate? Yes, but I choose you. Now, what I'm thankful for in my relationship with Norm is that I woke up in time. I woke up in time to reciprocate and a beautiful bond forged between us until he passed in 2022. So we enjoyed about two years together uh, and he was such a beautiful friend. I just... I loved him so much. So let me come back to Jonathan and David and let's pick up their story and see where it goes. Did it stay like this? Did it change? Because remember Saul was hunting David and Jonathan went out for his meeting with David and he was about to tell him it's not good. I don't think you're coming back. And so at that moment, David got up from the south side of the stone and bowed down before Jonathan three times. Oh, this is new. What's he doing? He's choosing him. He's committing himself to Jonathan. With his face to the ground. And look at the, look at the language shift. Then they kissed each other and wept together. But David wept the most. It's finally mutual. David finally wakes up. Just like I did with Norm. And he responds. 
And then Jonathan does what Jonathan does. Jonathan said to David, he's just a rock star. He said, go in peace. Look, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord. So David goes on the run. Jonathan finds him one more time. Jonathan went to David at Harash, helped him find strength in God, because that's what Jonathan did. That's what he does. And then the two of them made a covenant before the Lord. And then Jonathan went home and David remained at Harash. And this is the last time they would see each other alive. Just in time. Just in time. I want to encourage you to evaluate your friendship feeds. To look at not just how are people treating me, but what kind of friend am I? Because I can't be a Jonathan to someone else. I can't, I can't choose someone fully until I have made Jesus my Jonathan, until he completes me so that I don't need you to do it for me. And then I'm free then to befriend people like Jesus. Um, as I close, I have one more thing to say, and I'm, I have permission to do this. If you're wondering, how do I make Jesus my Jonathan? In other words, how do I lean into that deep, intimate friendship? How do I grow that friendship with Jesus? I've just released a brand new book. I'm so excited about it. I don't have any today, but it's called Deeply Devoted. And the, the subtitle is Grow Intimacy with God Through Daily Devotions That Change Your Life and Bring You Joy. It's all about bringing people to the feet of my Jesus to reciprocate what he has initiated. Let me pray for you. Hmm. Jesus, we praise you for going first. We praise you for choosing us. We praise you for laying your life down on the cross before we responded, while we were yet sinners. You chose us you, to, to love us. May we learn to reciprocate. Lord, if there are people here or online that have never given their lives to you, may this be their moment where, where it just feels like an explosion in our chest where we must respond and say, Jesus, I put my trust in you for your sacrifice. Thank you for leaving your heavenly throne to make a covenant with me, sh shedding your own blood to reconcile me to your father so that you could bring me into relationship with you and your dad. Thank you. I receive that. And we receive that afresh this morning. All of us, even if we've done this before, we receive that payment, that price that you paid, that invitation to respond. And we want to be those people that give you the love back that we've received from you. So Jesus, we want to love each other well. We want to choose people like you chose us. In Jesus' name, amen.